0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, July the 16th, 2022. It is currently 1120 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, and I have here in my hands something hot off the press. Okay. In reality, it's on my iPad. So it's not actually in my hand. I didn't actually print it out. I want to print it out because in some ways it's, doesn't it sound more cool for me to have like paper in my hand? Does that, but I guess just throw the paper away. I have it right hot off the presses. It was published just a few hours ago, maybe not even a few hours, maybe just about an hour ago. I have it here and we've got to talk about it. Because this, I think, is an important, uh, an important topic that will definitely lead to lots of disagreement, but that's nothing new here, right? I mean, uh, lots of things I say people disagree with. So I won't be shocked by your disagreement, but I will still be interested in hearing your perspective. Even though we will not agree, I'm b- more than happy to hear your perspective, but I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I'm going to be looking at this subject from what I believe is a philological and biblical perspective, not a cultural or political perspective. Because I believe the problem that the church has right now and has had for too long is we look at things more from a ideological, cultural, or political perspective, and we have abandoned the biblical and theological one. Now, Christians will disagree with me, but I believe that has been the problem, is the problem, and will be the problem moving forward. And I constantly turn on this microphone to speak against that. But here is the question that we're going to at least is going to be the basis for our discussion. How should the church, how should Christianity deal with a world that hates Christianity, that despises Christians, and that is moving away from a Christian worldview at a rapid pace? How should Christians deal with a world that hates Christianity, hates Christians, and moving away from a Christian worldview at a rapid pace? What should our approach be to that culture? How should we engage it? What should be our, our ideology, our philosophy, our methodology? What should be our approach? Now, throughout history, Christians have taken many different approaches when it comes to a hostile culture. There have been all kinds of different approaches. I disagree with most of them, not only in church history, but in the present. But we have an article here that asks this question, right? Again, published maybe just about an hour ago, maybe two hours ago. Here we go. Are Southern Baptists ready for a world that despises Christians? Are Southern Baptists ready for a world that despises Christians? Now, this is going to focus in more from a, looking at it from, I guess, in light of the Southern Baptist Convention, but we could Ask this in a broader way, but we'll at least allow the article to look at it fr- from the perspective of the Southern Baptists. Are the Southern Baptists? Are you as a Christian? Is your church ready for a world that despises Christians? And now you may say, "Yeah, I'm ready. Bring it on. Let's fight." No, 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 no. Are you ready? I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the question this way: Are Southern Baptists ready for a world that despises Christian? And when I say are they ready, are they ready with a biblical theological response? Or are they ready with a fleshly, political, cultural response? What are what are you are you ready for a world that despises Christians? What are you ready with? What are you ready with? What what do you have ready to go? Conspiracy theories? Craziness? Or do you have Bible? doctrine, theology? I I want you to really ask yourself that question. I want you to consider your church. I want you to look at your church and go, if we end up in a world that's full-blown hatred of Christianity, despises Christians, is my church actually ready for that? And what can you do to help them get ready? Well, let's see what this article has to say. This article begins by referencing a different article, okay? And the article that they're referencing was written in February 2022, I believe. The name of the author of the original uh, uh, article is Aaron Wren, R-E-N-N. Aaron Wren's penetrating analysis of American evangelicalism in his First Things article triggered much thought. Now, if I can, I could take you to this, but it's firstthings.com, firstthings.com. And it's the the name of the original article that was written in February, 2022. I, I, I thought this is when it was written, is The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism. The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism. The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism. I would definitely challenge you to look for that article. The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism by Aaron Wren, R-E-N-N. It was published on fe- in February 2022 at firstthings.com. Find that article, all right? We, we, we may circle back to that article in some future broadcast. I don't know if this may turn out. I, I always get worried, but this could turn into some uh, series of of broadcast or, or, or podcast episodes, live broadcast. But if it needs to do that, then I'm willing to do it because I think this is a very important subject, especially as the church continues to move forward. I, I constantly say that as the church and as pastors and as Christian podcasters, we have to be, we, we're the ones who should be looking, going, where's the church headed? Where is the church headed? So that we can warn, that we can direct, that we can try to prepare, that we can try to equip. And I think that maybe the three worlds of evangelicalism by Aaron M. Wren would be an article that you would want to have so that you can start looking at it, right? So what we're getting ready to read is was motivated, influenced by this original article, all right? Okay, I'm going to close that and I'm going to go back. So Aaron Wren's penetrating analysis of American evangelicalism and his first things article triggered much thought. So this author is saying that article triggered much thought. As a respected writer and thinker, Wren uses the framework of three worlds, positive, neutral, negative, with evangelical swimming against a relentless secular rip current. So there he so Ren took this idea of three different worlds. Here are the three different worlds. A positive world, a neutral world and a negative. And this is positive towards Christianity, neutral towards Christianity and negative towards Christianity. So let's take evangelicalism at large, place them in those three different worlds, a world that is positive to Christianity, a world that's neutral to Christianity, and a world that is negative to Christianity. And how does that evangelical world react in all three of those specific worlds or specific situations? And that no matter what, Christians constantly find themselves, or evangelicals, swimming against a relentless secular rip current. Now, I would question, if the culture is a, if we see culture as a relentless secular rip current, if we look at the culture and like, that's a secular rip current right there, what should, what do you think the Christian's response to that rip current should be? Some want to fight it. I tend to take a different view. We've got to fight the secular rib current. We've got to stand against it. We've got to fight it. I, we'll see if my, my perspective comes out in all of this, but that's really kind of the question. So the article continues. This article that I'm reading, published just recently, states this. Evangelicals are not only losing standing in the public arena, While struggling against an increasingly hostile culture, Wren says, today, there is a culture war within evangelicalism itself. So according to Wren, here's what's happening. Christians are losing their standing in the public arena. We're losing it. We're being silenced. We're being marginalized. Nobody wants to hear the Christian perspective. Just They're just basically saying, shut up. All right. But not only that, Christianity is struggling against a hostile culture. So, nobody wants to hear us. We're supposedly struggling against a hostile culture. Again, I would ask, is that really what we're called to do? All right, stay with me. But that there is now a culture war within evangelicalism itself. So, Christians are losing their standing, they're fighting culture, and we're fighting amongst our, each other. So, we, so Christianity is going through a major, is it's in a major mess right now, which I've been saying forever. They go on to say. I would like to apply, this article says, I would like to apply Wren's diagnosis. So, so he takes what Wren did in his article, The Three Worlds, and in this case, this article is going to diagnose the Southern Baptist Convention with using Wren's diagnosis. So, he's going to take Wren's diagnosis, and he's going to look to the Southern Baptist Convention, Ren points to three worlds or moments in time that form Christians' views and attitudes. So he's going to take Ren's kind of breakdown. He's going to apply it to the Southern Baptist Convention, right? Now I'm going to look at it from the Southern Baptist Convention but I will probably broaden it out to just individual Christians and Christianity at large all right so we may we may have to we may have to do a lot of work on trying to unpack all of this but at least we can get started on this Saturday morning all right July the 16th let's spend some time really thinking about this so you got your thinking caps on notebooks open pencil in hand let's work on this are you ready all right so The first world that we're going to consider, and we're going to put the Southern Baptist in that world, but you can just put Christianity in this world as it is, however you want to describe it. We have Christianity living in a positive world, a world that is positive to Christianity. And this is before, this is pre-1994. So if you were a Christian prior to 1994, You found yourself living your Christian life in a world that was pretty much positive towards Christianity. Doesn't mean that there wasn't sin or evil in the world, but at large, this is how it describes it. Society at large retains a a mostly positive view of Christianity. Before 1994, the world had a a pretty much a positive view of Christians. To 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 be known as good Church going man remains part of being an upstanding citizen. It was like, well, that, that family goes to church. He goes to church. It was viewed as a positive thing, not a negative thing prior to 1994. Now I became a Christian, not, I mean, not super long before 1994, but I mean, it was like what late, late eighties when I become a Christian. So I had a brief period of living in this world that was mostly positive towards Christianity for the most part all right? Publicly being a Christian is a status enhancer before 1994. Christian moral norms are the basic moral norms of society, and violating them can bring negative consequences. So before 1994, basically a lot of people would at least agree with the Christian view on morality to a large degree. That doesn't mean everyone, but at large, right? This is just giving a basic idea and that they would agree that violating those moral norms would bring negative consequences. Wren states that evangelicals created two main strategies in relating to the secular world in this positive era. So when you have before 1994, Christians, Southern Baptists specifically, but Christians, developed two strategies. All right, all right, we're living in a world that's for the most part positive to Christianity, right? So, what can we do? How are we going to fight that part of the culture that is negative to Christianity? How are we going to fight a part against that culture that is hostile or ungodly? or secular, how are we going to, what are we going to deal with it? When we, because, well, it's a kind of a positive period. There's still the ungodliness, but how are we going to stand against it? Well, the first strategy was the culture war strategy, the culture war strategy. And this is where I believe the church horribly went wrong. This is where I believe the church went wrong. And I know my perspective is in the minority, but I believe the minute the church looked around and said, Look at the, look at the culture, look at the parts of the culture that's against Christianity. Let's fight it. Let's engage in a culture war. I believe that's where the church completely goes wrong, right? Like if you're, if I'm following a a church history timeline. Now, I I believe these things have happened prior to what, where they're getting ready to look to, but they're going to look to a specific moment in history that I've talked about in a number of podcast episodes, right? So we're in a pre, we're in a positive A positive world pre-1994. Christians look around and they see parts of culture that are ungodly, that are secular, and they're like, what are we going to do? And they decide, we're going to fight the culture. And this is what they point to. Jerry Falwell's moral majority and the so-called New Right Movement in the 1970s and a part as a response to the sexual revolution and the moral deterioration of the country. This movement aligned with the Republican Party as Ronald Reagan became president in 1981. The Christian coalition and other smaller cultural warrior groups chose the GOP as their political home. Now, please note, that's very important. We're gonna fight the culture war. And guess how they wanted to fight the culture war? Politics. They decided to fight the culture war politically, finding a political ally, trying to vote the right political people in party, uh, uh, trying to vote the right political party into power so that they could fight that culture war through political means, through legislative uh, uh, attempts, through passing bills. So we were going to fight Listen, the culture war, not biblically, not theologically, not with the Great Commission, not with the gospel, not with prayer and fasting, not with evangelism, not with loving your enemy, no, 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 we were going to fight the culture war by the use of dun-dun-dun-dun, Politics. Oh, and Christians like that time they wanted to boycott things, they wanted to censor things, they wanted MTV removed from cable systems, they wanted this, they wanted warning labels put on CDs, they wanted they wanted to ban this when the when uh the last temptation of Christ came to movie theaters, they were going to surround it and boycott it and, and protest, and it was it was just this cultural engagement, fighting it in an activist kind of way, kind of a cancel culture approach. We were going to cancel it. We were going to force the culture to live like us. And I completely, 1000% reject that approach and cannot believe Christians ever fell for it. We abandoned the spiritual to engage in the fleshly. We threw out the gospel for politics. We prostituted ourselves to political party so that we could gain political power so that we could somehow try to make an ungodly world live like Christians. We were more worried about, listen, morality than we were about conversion. We were more worried about morality than we were the gospel. Now, as a young Christian, I got caught up in this just slightly because I kept thinking, okay, oh, yeah, we're, oh, no, the culture not going to stand for that. No, we're going to fight the culture. And there was just a brief, but it did not take me long to go, wait, 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 wait. This, this is, I don't think this is Christianity anymore. Right? So that was the first strategy. Culture war via politics. Second strategy. Ren dubs the second strategy during this era, seeker sensitive. So then the second approach was, okay, we're not going to fight the culture war. We're going to create seeker sensitive churches so that we will make Christianity seem more appealing to the culture that doesn't like Christianity. We'll be seeker sensitive because we'll view these people as actually they're seekers, whether they know it or not. And then we'll make the church very friendly to them. So we'll go knock on the door and go, what, what do you not like about church? Okay, well, guess what you like? What kind of music do you like? We'll give you the kind of music. We'll give you the kind of seats. We'll give you the kind of entertainment. We'll give you whatever you want. So one, now this is really weird. You got to see that this is so crazy. So on one hand, the church is like, we're going to make the world live like Christians through political force. On the other hand, the church was like, we're going to act like the world so that they'll like us. (laughs) What kind of craziness is happening here? We're going to make the world live like us. We're going to try to be like the world so they will like us. Do you see how utterly ridiculous both approaches are from a biblical and theological perspective? We needed to live as Christians and then just simply preach and teach and present the gospel wherever we had the chance and then try to fight the quote-unquote culture through prayer, fasting, love, and the gospel. We needed to keep our hands clean from politics and we needed to keep our hands clean from trying to be like the world so that they would like us. Seeker-sensitive new congregations like Bill Heibel's Willow Creek Church and Rick Warren's Saddleback Church grew to megachurch status and launched church planning movements focused on reaching the unchurched and irreligious. So that's, that's what happened. That, that was the, the positive. That was the positive time, right? Two strategies emerged. How are we going to deal with the culture? We're going to fight it politically, we're going to fight a culture war or we're going to try to be like it with seeker-sensitive theology. Look, both attempts tried and the world didn't make the world like us anymore. The world became more hostile. The, war became, the world became more non-Christian because guess what? Now, this is a shock. What the world needs is not a church that tries to make them like them. What the world needs is not a church trying to make them live like a Christian. What the world needs is Christ. What the world needs is the gospel. And now that's shocking. And I'm not trying to be condescending, but I just don't understand how the church could get something so horribly wrong. Now, what was the SBC doing during this time period pre-1994? The SBC saw its high watermark mark year for baptisms in 1972, a best ever, 445,725 persons made professions of faith and were baptized. More recent baptismal numbers are disheartening. All right. And so they show that massive decrease, uh, that they've decreased, especially 2018, 2019, 2020 was massive. Basically in 72, you had almost a half a million people. And in 2020, you had a, about a hundred, a little over a hundred thousand people. So you go from basically almost a half a million to a hundred thousand. Now, it's still a a lot of years, but massive decrease. America was still experiencing a spiritual awakening during the Jesus movement in the 60s and 70s. In 71, Pastor John Bisagno led First Baptist Houston in a citywide evangelistic campaign with over 4,000 professions of faith faith. The church baptized over 1,000 new believers, becoming the first SBC congregation to baptize more than 1,000 people in a year. Many SBC congregations taught evangelism courses and had an outreach night each week. The SBC Home Mission Board was well-oiled mission, mission machine with leaders knowing that the Southern Baptist co- uh, Cooperative sp- Spirit thrived on trust Uh, the, The Home Mission Board leaders respected the historical autonomy of the local church, the local Baptist Association, the state convention, and national entities. The board didn't use its control of funds to demand leverage over churches. Uh, strategizing to help Southern Baptists become the most ethnically diverse American denomination, HMB b leaders worked with the Christian Life Commission, now the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, to adopt a resolution that apologized, lamented, and repudiated historic acts of evil such as slavery from which we continue to reap a bitter harvest. The, revolu- the resolution continued, we apologize to all African Americans for condoning and or Perpetuating individual and systematic racist, systemic racism in our lifetime. And we generally repent of our racism, which we have been guilty of, whether consciously or unconsciously. The resolution was adopted in 1995, the 150th anniversary of the SBC. All right. So 1995, just that happens one year after what you would call the positive world era. So it still kind of came from that. Um, abortion arose to the battlefront. During this era, sadly, the Christian Life Commission leaders had a pro-choice stance in the 70s. That began to change with conservative culture warriors pushing a pro-life stand with the 1984 resolution in a Kansas City's annual meeting, sealing SBC's firm stance on abortion by calling it a national sin, and saving the mother's physical life is the only exemption. The SBC conservative resurgence was already five years old at this point, but society continued to change and and the environment for Southern Baptists with it. Soon they entered a new era as Wren described it. So the SBC at that point was, there was lots of uh, professions of faith. There was a lot of evangelism going on, clearly in the seventies, maybe going into the eighties. Then You, there was a concern about the sin of racism and they repented of that. That's a good thing. But then you can kind of see a change start happening when now abortion becomes to the center, uh, to the, to the focal point. By no means am I saying abortion is great. Of course, abortion is murder and has to be preached again against, but it see it's so subtle, right? Hey, we're going to focus on the gospel, Slowly but surely, we're going to focus on something like abortion. Now, again, I think the only solution ultimately to abortion is the gospel. You got to change hearts. You don't change hearts, you can pass all the laws you want. People are still going to find a way to get an abortion, right? And especially with the current Supreme Court ruling, sending it back to the states, states, other states are going to be like, yeah, come here. There's already a discussion about basically having like an abortion ship outside on the coast of certain parts of the country where you just go there, get on the boat, the boat boat goes out into international, ship goes out into international waters, and then there's no law restricting abortion, and they can do the abortion, come back to the shore, and then pick up more patience. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but there's already a call for that to happen. So it's still going to occur unless you change hearts. That's why the church should never abandon the gospel for these cultural issues. I'm not saying we don't preach against them. I'm not saying that we don't call people to abandon that way of thinking, but you can fight against some of these. And even though your fight may be right, even though it may be a good thing, in some cases it can supplement or... it's not, it's not supplementing. It almost replaces. It becomes a substitute for. You almost substitute it as the focal point for the gospel. So that's kind of what was going on in the SBC. You can see what was happening within Christianity at large. Culture war, seeker sensitive. That's what was happening during this time where, quote unquote, Christianity had a, was viewed positively for the most part in the world. That's pre-1994. But things are going to change in 1994. Now we step into what's called the neutral world. We go from the positive to now things are becoming neutral. Society is changing. All right? You can go kind of I mean I don't know if you were alive in the 90s especially start, starting in 1994, 1995, culture was changing dramatically at this point. Right? Now this this the, the neutral world goes from 94 to 2014. Here's what was going on in the neutral world, okay? Society takes a more neutral stance towards Christianity. No longer positive. It's more just kind of like take it or leave it. Christianity no longer has a privileged status, but it's not disfavored. It's not that the world hates it. It just now doesn't really just kind of like whatever. Okay, whatever. The the society at large just kind of has a more neutral view of it. All right. Being publicly known as a Christian has neither a positive or negative impact on one's social status. Christianity is a valid option within a pluralistic public square. Christian moral norms and retain some residual residual effect. So now the uh, so there's there's kind of the residue left of Christian morality. So that effect is still there but it's really kind of seen well, you know, it's if it works for you, it works for you. Remember this becomes a very much a major time of relativism, right? Right? Uh, you, you, you can see this time taking place. So the, the, you can see the, 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 the leftover of Christian morality is still there in society, but the society is becoming very relativistic at this point in time. And it's kind of like, well, Christianity works for you. It doesn't work for me. So it's okay. Like, you know, I'm not gonna, it's, it's just going to be neutral. Okay. It's, I I don't see it as a good thing. Positive thing. Christianity is just one of many roads. It's almost how it could be viewed. All right, but there's still a little leftover of the, as, as they use it, the, the residual. All right, I think I said residue. Res- I don't know how I said it. The re- residual, the residue is left over of Christian morality. I think I'm trying to put two concepts there together, but you get the idea. all right? it's left over. Now, at this time, Christians begin to develop some new strategies. So. Wren offers cultural engagement as evangelistic strategy of reaching secular America in the new era. This cultural engages, cultural engages resisted a combative stance while adopting a positive missional approach in a pluralistic public square. Pastor Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian Church hammered out a well-known cultural engagement strategy using apologetics with a friendly tone and tenor. Ren doubts this strategy will work today because the negative world is a hostile environment and takes no prisoners. Tough choices are increasingly before us. Offense is unavoidable and sides will need to be taken on very important issues. So basically, this was kind of like um, cultural engagement. We're going to engage the culture, but in a kind of a more positive and friendly way. We're not going to be hostile, but we're going to... So this was kind of a more cultural engagement, apologetics... That kind of approach, right? And so that kind of became a, a started making its presence known in ni- 1995, moving up to 2014. Kind of a cultural engagement. It's a more it's a, it's a missional approach with, with with a more positive kind of friendly tone. But but you're using apologetics, but a much more like let's discuss this intellectually. Let's discuss this. Academically, let's discuss this apologetically, but let's do so in a kind of a engaging way, not necessarily in a hostile way and you pro- and that idea of missional approach, you probably heard a lot of that in the mid1990s. James R. Wood engages that Keller's approach of being winsome and a culture that is transitioning to hostile creates self-doubt as evangelicals continue to face pushback and attacks. He says, if winsome is met with hostility, it's easy to wonder, are we in the wrong? Thus, the side slide towards secular cultural reasoning is Greece. So some people said this had a negative impact. You, you can look at it from ho- whatever way you want to look at it, all right? So what was the SBC doing during this neutral time period? Uh, the SBC started strong in the neutral world. It chalked up 1,781 church plants and new affiliations, but momentum was diminishing, all right? So they were, they were doing all kinds of church plants, but it was starting to slowly begin to slow down. Conservative pastors like Jim Henry, Jack Graham, Bobby Welch, Johnny Hunt were some of the SBC presidents in that era. Fred Luter became the first African-American pastor elected to that SBC president in 2012, and the celebration in the convention hall was exuberant. However, the world at large offered reasons for anxiety, and Wren's terms, a new environment now prevailed. All right, so not really, not much happens in that kind of neutral period, right? I, I think, I think you can, I, I will argue. And now, I'm, I know these people have studied it more than I have, but I was, I was a Christian during that period, right? I was a Christian during. Remember, I was a Christian. I be, I became a Christian in the positive period prior to 1994. I was a Christian during the neutral time period, 1994 to 2014. I lived through all of that, right? I, I was going to Bible college and Bible institutes and seminaries during that time. I, and I, I was going to become a pastor during that time. I was teaching, I w- you know, Sunday school classes. I was preaching. I was doing all kinds of things during that time. I think that we still had, I think there there was, I think there was those two previous strategies were still going on, right? Because as you move forward, the seeker sensitive becomes even more You had the seeker sensitive, the, the emergent church, the, you had a lot of things happening during that period of time. You had a lot happening. So I will say you had this. During the neutral period, you still had the culture war, warriors. Culture was still trying to be fought. That did not stop. I mean, the neutral, in the neutral world, the culture wars were fighting and were still happening. Christians were still looking to politics during that neutral time period, right? Some were turning to apologetics and a more, Quotes, winsome approach, missional, positive, friendly. That was happening. But you still had the seeker sensitive, that kind of thing was growing and still continuing on. So that all was continuing during that time period. I don't know how you can just leave those other things in the, in the positive Christian era. This was happening during the neutral era as well. You had a lot of theological things going on in the new, the young reformed and restless movement, Driscoll. You had a lot of things happening between 94, 94 and 2014. There was a lot going on in Christianity. There was a lot happening there. So I don't know how you reduce it to just a number of things, but okay. Right now, we know 2014, a massive change. I I usually go around 2015, but 2014, we now enter into a different phase. Christianity finds itself now in a negative world. Now Christianity is viewed in a negative light and strongly. And I will argue... That one of the reasons the world begins to – the view on us begins to change so dramatically from positive to neutral to negative, listen to me. I believe it's because of Christians' political involvement. Look, it's one thing to see Christians as, oh, they believe in what? They believe in hell. They believe in sin. They believe in God. And they, and they want to tell me that I'm a sinner and I need to repent and believe in their gospel. Man, I reject them. I reject that idea. I don't want to hear their message. Wait, Christians are trying to get involved in, in fighting on culture war that tries to force me to live like them? They're trying to force their morality on me through political involvement? They're trying to force their morality on me by telling me what I can watch, what I can't watch, what I can listen to, what I can't listen to? Well, who do they think they are? They're going to shove their religion on me. Well, then I'm going to take a stand against them. Sooner or later, I think many of the negative feelings happen because Christians were trying to shove Christianity down everyone's throat by political and cultural involvement. That's not a hostility towards Christianity. That's not a hostility towards the cross. That's not even hostility towards the gospel. That is hostility towards Christians trying to force Christianity on them, utilizing every method under the sun other than the gospel. I think that's what led to the negativity. Here's what they say about the negative world. Society has come to have have a negative view of Christianity. Being known as a Christian is negative, particularly in the elite domains of society. Christian morality is expressly repudiated as seen as a threat to the public good and the new public order. Subscribing to Christian moral views or violating the secular moral order brings negative consequences. So now the world is like, you know what? No, we don't want your morality. We don't want anything. We don't even like you. Wow. Now, now there's always been that hatred to some level, but I want to make sure you draw a distinction between hating Christ, hating the cross, hating the gospel, Hating Christians because they feel like Christians are trying to shove Christianity down their throat by trying to dominate culture, transform culture, so that they have to live as Christians. That's a very big difference. Now, Wren went on to say, he pulls no punches here. Despite ample evidence that America has now entered the negative world, no evangelical strategic approach to it has emerged. American evangelicals are still living lo- living in the lost, positive, and neutral worlds. Rand indicates that they're in a denial of reality, unwilling to accept our status among secular society. Now, I this is where I have a problem here. Okay. So what, what he claims, Ren claims, is like, no, Christians are still living in the, the idea that Christianity has a positive feel, or, or they're still living in the positive world or the neutral world. It's like Christians are are way behind and don't realize we've entered into a negative world. So therefore there's not been a strategy. So in other words, Christianity doesn't have a strategy. I disagree. I disagree. I think as the culture moved further and further away from Christianity, as the culture, quote unquote, became more and more secular, more and more ungodly, more and more hostile, I think the church adopted a clear strategy. I think the church's strategy was 150% clearly seen, and everyone knows it. And it showed up with what? 82, 92% of whatever it was, of white evangelicals running to vote for one. Donald Trump Christians decided the way to fight it was full-blown political involvement. I think what started in the positive era burst into just absolute mainstream Christianity in the negative era. He says that they didn't develop a strategy, but they he does address what happens. Cuz remember, the negative world starts 2014. All right? So what happens? Here we go. Renn states that Trump and wokeness are the two polarizers. For evangelicals, 80% of evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. There we go. 80%. So the evangelical world was like, this is how we're going to do it. We need Trump. We need to fight this. And they, they saw the negativity and wanted to fight it through fleshly means. Th- that is what, to me, is what is what happened. Let- let's see where he goes with this. So he says there were two polarizers, wokeness, quote unquote, and Trump. The evangelicals took the side of Trump versus wokeness, right? They voted for, for Donald Trump, but a much smaller share of the elite evangelical leadership class became the religious equivalent of the Never Trump movement. So a very small group of the religious elite, as they say, become the never Trumpers. So now, but guess what happens when you become the never Trumper or you become a Trumper, you're now fighting, now you're fighting a culture war within evangelicalism, but on political grounds, not biblical and gospel grounds. So the church becomes so focused on this political involvement that now everyone's fighting it either for the Trump movement or against it. So now the church has completely abandoned, and for the most part, biblical and theological approach. Let's see what they say happens here. Russell Moore became the most well-known never-Trumper in the SBC, with similar fallout in the evangelical world, resulting in an elite-based split similar to the, to the uh, roiling of the Republican Party. Wren speaks of cultural warriors becoming fiercely hostile towards evangelical establishment elites, perceiving them to be the cause for theological drift while declaring their own culture war against other evangelicals rather, that, uh, uh, other evangelicals rather than the secular world. So in, in some cases, it almost within Christianity, the culture war, instead of focusing on the world, right now, this is very important. Now this So earlier on, this is very important. If we go to the positive world, right? Before 1994, the culture war was fighting those outside the church. But something weird happens after 2014, especially with Trump. Now the culture war comes inside the church, right? So the culture war, now the world's hating us, and we are like, we've got to fight the world, and and, and the Christians turn to politics. All right, so that that still goes all the way back to the positive world before 1994. But now this is all going on in 2014. But look at what happens. This is so subtle, right? So there's the world. We got to fight it. So we'll vote for Trump. But somehow, in a weird, twisted, the narrative is so twisted. Somehow, what happens is now Christians start looking at each other. Oh, you didn't vote for Trump. You're woke. You're you're liberal. You're a you're a socialist. You're a Marxist. You're, you're probably not even a Christian. If you didn't vote for Trump, you're not even a Christian. So now spirituality becomes a battle cry for fighting over whether you're woke or you're with Trump. You're rather you're Republican or whether you're Democrat, whether you're conservative or whether you're liberal. And the church turns to this inward culture war. We almost stop fighting the secular world. We're now fighting this, quote unquote, you're either conservative, not even theologically, it's about more a political conservative, or you are a liberal, not not theologically, but politically. So this happens within the church. This all happens after 2014. And then the church begins to deteriorate and, and tear each other apart, not on theological grounds, but on this cultural, political Trump versus wokeness thing. So the church becomes preoccupied with, we got to fight critical race theory. Critical race theory is going to destroy the church. Critical race theory. And critical race theory becomes the new boogeyman. Wokeness becomes the new boogeyman within the church. Ren thinks that the culture warriors may survive while those who look to accommodate the culture will, will wane in the negative world. Culture warriors may become smaller in number while pushback from public and cultural influence, but their historical tenacity, finding the right future leaders and acquiring new skills and sensibilities, will help them grapple with future challenges until brighter days and bigger platforms come. All right i don't know what where i don't know where it 's going, but I just think it's going to become what I feel is is the church is going to become more political and more focused on culture wars really, what kind of started going all the way back to when we were in a positive world those strategies other than say the i think the seeker sensitive strategy is kind of given away to some level but the but the Culture war has only grown, exploded once we get into the negative world, and then we started fighting the culture politically, but then we started fighting ourselves and identifying ourselves using cultural and political ideology instead of theological. We weren't fighting theological battles. If you think about it, in the negative world, right, which was... uh the, I'm sorry, the neutral world, which was from 94 to 2014. Think about what was happening in the church from 94 to 2014. During that neutral period, the church was fighting philological wars. Right? You had the fight over Arminianism and Calvinism. You had the, the whole, like, there was all this, the, the resurgence of Reformed theology, people discovering the Puritans. You had, you had these thilo- theological battles over fighting against the seeker-sensitive movement and, 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 that thing. And then next thing you know, the emergent church You had major church movements happening. The, the church was in a theological upheaval, but it was still theological. The, the church was still fighting theological battles, and by the time you get to 2014, it's like everyone's like, I'm tired of the theological battles. I'm just sick of it. I don't even care anymore, right? I'm tired of, wait, what is the world doing? Oh, we got to fight the world. We got to fight the world. We'll, we'll, we'll turn to politics. And the next thing you know, instead of fighting each other over theological battles, no, you're woke, you're a liberal. Oh, you believe in that critical race theory. Oh, you're a misogynist. No, you're part of the patriarchy. No, you, 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 and it's, everyone's just started fighting each other along those lines. That's the bizarre thing that happened. All right. Now I'm going to go back down here to know the, 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 the end of this. All right. Now, the SBC in the negative world, now we're going to go back to the SBC. The SBC establishment elites had already lost all, okay, the SBC establishment elites have already lost all our LifeWay bookstores. They've been greatly reduced. Our international and national American missionary forces have been reduced Gone forever are the beautifully family-oriented Glorietta and Ridgecrest Conference Centers. They have reduced a once thriving cooperative spirit among many state conventions and associations and non-southern states while putting off all our remaining eggs in the church planning basket with far less focus on training existing SBC congregations and communicating the gospel to secular people and the ways that they can hear, understand, and respond to Jesus. The total cooperative program giving through the SBC churches in in 2008 was 548.2 million, 548.2 million. The 2008 total has never been reached again, with a 16.9 decrease over the next 12 years. 2021 saw a 0.52% uptick from the previous year. Uh, Creative and positive ways are, are used to show greater than before uh, to show greater than before CP giving, but it's not close to the 2008 number. So things started closing down. Things started reducing in size, less money. I would say less numbers. There's been attendance issues. Things are definitely changing in the culture. More and more people are tired of the, And you know why? I'm, I think one of the reasons many people are tired of the church becomes so politically hijacked it says now embroiled in a convention-wide sex abuse scandal and crisis with the possibility of becoming un- unsurable as a convention due to the executive committee's committee's vote committee's vote to waive attorney, attorney-client privilege puts our historical method of fundraising uh, of funding missions in peril However, with the Supreme Court overturning the 50-year-old Roe v. Wade decision, Southern Baptist culture warriors caught a glorious gust of wind in their cells. Thousands are realizing that if we had followed the leadership of of condescending establishment elites, the Supreme Court now would be packed with Hillary's progressive pigs and Roe would still be in place. It's astonishing to observe those who cannot seem to celebrate this victory. Wren closes on a positive note after saying, evangelicalism is in a flux. And its future as a coherent movement is in doubt. He believes we can can and will adapt to changing times and again thrive in the negative world. Now, so let's summarize because that's a lot of information here. We have a Christianity and the positive world. That's everything pre-1994 where the world for the most part has a positive view of Christianity and Christian morality. Okay. The church adopted two strategies, culture war, fight, moral majority, gospel coalition, and we turn to politics in the Republican party. Right. That's, that's the origin of, I think all the problems moving forward in the church, but okay. That's, it starts pre-1994 while the world for the most part, for the most part has a positive view of us. Right. And because they have a positive view of Christians and Christian morality, that's going to help us gain some political power and political clout, all right? At the same time, another strategy—so in that case is, is the church decided we're going to make the world live like Christians through political force. And then at the same time, there was another strategy launched in the church, in evangelicalism, which said, you know what? We're going to try to, be, we're to, try to make the world like us by being like them. So we'll create seeker-sensitive churches. So we'll try to be like the world so that they, they will like us. Very weird that this was all going on at the same time, all pre 1994. The world changes starting in 1994 to 2014. This is the neutral world. The world now kind of just like relativism becomes dominant. It's like take it or leave it. Christianity is okay. It's your way, not my way. Just, it's okay. The The church was still maintaining those cultural warriors and the seeker sensitive, but it's weird in the night between 1994 and 2014, you have a massive amount of theological debates and battles and different church methods and different church movements and, and theological movements. A lot of major theological fighting was happening between 94 and 2014, just lots of theological battles. It was crazy. The theological battles that were raging at that time. All right. But and I apologize that I messed this up, that at that time, Christian moral norms retained some r- r- residual effect. So there's residue left over of Christian morality at that time. I don't know why I, I messed the word up the first time, but has residual effect. It's still there. They're, it's still influencing society to some level. Right. So I'm going to describe 94 to 2014 as a time of major theological controversies, fighting and debating and arguing all kinds of church movements that were being criticized and people were fighting. And no, this is the way. No, this is the way. It was a crazy time from a theological point of view. But as you start getting to the end of that period, it's almost like the church was like, man, I'm tired of theological battles. I'm tired of this. You know, Mars Hill crashed and burned a young reformed and restless movement imploded in on itself. I'm just tired of all of it. And then we started looking around going, the world, ooh, the world just went from neutral to very negative towards us. The culture is shifting. The culture is changing. The culture is not just now neutral to our morality. It hates it. No, the, the culture, the culture has decided, Oh, you wanted to cancel us. You wanted to force us to live like Christians. We're going to cancel you. We'll try to force you to live like non Christians. And remember, it was Christians that the one started. I, I've always said Christians perfected cancel culture. So now the culture turns against us. So then Christians were like, well, we're going to fight back. And how are we going to fight back? We'll turn to, we'll, we'll go right back to politics. It it was Trump, 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 Trump. And most evangelicals voted that way. There was some smaller number of Christians saying, nope, no, never Trump. And so now church, instead of fighting theological battles, the church started fighting in it against itself. You were either labeled woke, progressive, liberal, or you were, you were labeled as right conservative, you know, pro-Trump, pro that kind, make America great again kind of concept. So in other words, the church was no longer fighting theological battles, it was fighting political battles and we were labeling each other as political opponents and fighting that, and that continues to this day. Now, what's happened is somewhere in this moving forward and this negative world, which goes from 2014 to the present, we're still in the negative world right now, There's no strategy in exactly what to do other than to continue to fight politically. There's not been a resurgence of theology. There's not been a resurgence of Bible, anything. Church attendance is dropping. Bible engagement is dropping. Bible study, almost non-existent. I mean, we've got a major problem going on here, but the church is still so preoccupied. And with the Roe v. Wade decision, I think many Christians are even more now committed to the political way. They're now more committed to voting, more committed to getting Trump reelected, more voting, more committed to the political solution. In the meantime, the gospel has been thrown out, theology has been thrown out, and the church is becoming more a cultural movement than a gospel movement. Where we're headed, I think we're going to become more political. More divided. The church is going to become more hated because it's going to be seen as a political entity instead of a gospel preaching entity. More people are going to get tired of the political influence of the church and going to leave the church. And the church is going to be in a very weakened state. Doesn't mean Christianity is going to go away, but I think we're in very big trouble. There, I'll have to stop there. And it just makes me mad. That after all of that, all after all of that information that we went through, and all breaking down all of those time periods, and after looking at all of that, all I'm going to remember when this is over is that I mispronounced the word residual. Okay, I don't know, I don't know why I mispronounced it, but I did. But I apologize. But I corrected it. I caught it. Right? right? I was, I was trying to put residual and residue together in some real new word. Re- residual? I don't know what I was saying. All right, but I can't worry about that now. I hope this sparks a good conversation. Now, the original, the, you kept, I kept quoting Wren, Ren, I'm quoting Aaron Wren from an article. The original article is from firstthings.com, The Three Worlds of Evangelicalism, where he breaks everything into those three worlds the, the positive world, the neutral world, and the negative world. Okay? Now, the article that I was, so that's what I, is, is being referenced, but I was referencing it from an article that was just posted today called, Are Southern Baptists Ready for a World That Despises Christians? Are Southern Baptists Ready for a World That Despises Christians? You, you can find that at ChristianPost.com. Are Southern Baptists Ready for a World That Despises Christians? There's a lot there. You can tell me if you agree with those time periods. Do you agree with my assessment of those time periods? Whatever you want to say, I'd be more than happy to listen. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. We'll be back today. All right. We're going to we, – I've got a lot to do. I've got to get ready for tomorrow. And so – but, uh, man, there, there's a lot to talk about today. We'll just see if this sparks – hopefully it sparks some good conversation. But email me, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.